Welcome to another episode of Inside the Recording Studio. I am Jody Whitesides, and with me, as always, is Mr. Chris Hallstrom. How are you today, Chris? I am a little bit better than last week uh, I've had. Yeah, I've been in the trenches this week. I'll spare you the nasty details, but I'm feeling okay today. I'm feeling all right. How are you doing? I'm mending after injuries playing pickleball matches, but I'm triumphing because I won, but... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> recovering due to injuries that I overcame in the match via adrenaline and realized later, like, maybe that was kind of stupid. Oh, well. Well, you're a pro. You have to do it. Right? Rise above. Yeah. Rise above. Rise above, man. Yeah. Anything on the talk back this week? No. No? Not really me neither. I noticed that Native Instruments have changed their logo. You hadn't seen that? Yeah, I don't yeah, pay that much attention. done that now, so there's something. Right. To talk about, I guess, if it matters. It's weird not to see the the blue thing with like an N and an I in it. Now it's like <laughs> a Kia car commercial. Anyway, people get paid to do that kind of stuff way more than I do. So what do I know? Uh, what are we talking about, though? Creative uses of delays. Creative uses of delays. Much like the intro to the podcast. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Although yeah. that was done by human hand. That wasn't done by a, a plug-in or some other effect. Right. Yeah. So what we're talking about is not just simple standard repeating echoing effect, right? But, but some other stuff that we can do to add some different dimensions, I guess, to our mixes and, and tracks. What's the first one that comes to mind for you when we're thinking, and this is almost like a little bit of a standard fare if I think what you're going to mention, like. Short, little, simple slapback delays. That's yeah. the most common thing for me. Yeah. For me. Uh, you, and I yeah, guess you, to me, it's no longer creative because I do it so much, but maybe it is creative. I have no idea. Well, you know, normally when we think slap, we're creating a, a reverb of sorts. We're creating a space, mm-hmm. right, to, to sit most commonly the vocal. Could be other things as well, but of course the vocal. This can be done not just with, with a reverb, a short reverb, but actually done with delay lines. So low feedback, just like one echo basically, right? Usually. In most cases, yeah. And Usually, otherwise this. it starts to smear and then it just sounds weird. Yeah. I know you, we have talked about this and your technique of this in the past, but... Mm-hmm. Where do you generally set your delay times? Do you sync those to the track or are you? Yes. You know, yes. My slapbacks okay. are synced usually to a 30-second note. Depending on tempo, I'm guessing. Yes. Or, right. Because a 30-second note is defined by the tempo. It's not defined by, well, it's 10 milliseconds, which is well, no, no, substantially I, I, faster I, than a 30-second note. But my thinking is, is that if I say 32nd note, it wouldn't be anything other than synced, right? Well, yeah, maybe I should rephrase my question. Though. What I was thinking is that if you have a more of an up-tempo song, mm-hmm. will that go up to maybe... A 16th? Like, uh, right. Mm-hmm. It okay. can. That, yeah, but that's what I meant, like, when, when like, depending on tempo. So, obviously, rhythmic division is tempo-based, but depending on the speed of the song, I should say. It will also depend upon the swing value of the song. As I do have a song that has a substantial amount of swing that has not yet been released, and the slap that occurs on pretty much just about every instrument in that song 
is based on that swing okay. so that it so fits into the groove. So then you go for more like a triplet value then? Or? Yeah. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Okay. As, as short as a 30-second swing triplet? Yeah. Uh, it might be 16th swing. I can't remember. It, it's been a few months since I've done the mix, and the song hasn't been released yet. I would have to go back and look exactly at, at well, the wait, mix wait. to know go exactly Go ahead and do that right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Why are you doing that then? Why is that a thing that you tend to lean upon? For that particular song or just in general? Just in general. I do it mostly on vocals. And the okay. primary reason for that is getting the vocal to feel intimate despite whatever effects go with it. If I wash it out in reverb, my reverb will be a factor of the slap delay before it hits most often. So you okay. get that immediacy up front with the depth of everything else. And now, do I do it 100% of the time? No, but a vast majority of the time. So I can retain that immediacy before all of the big, lushy stuff. So then you have a pre-delay on the larger the reverb, reverb yeah. that you're going to have? Mm-hmm. Okay. And how long does that usually go for? Double the factor of the slap, usually. Oh, Okay. So if you have that 30-second note, you'd have like a 16-note pre-delay on. Something to, well, yeah, somewhere in that range. Ballpark, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Okay. All right. Yeah, it's a little bit more of the reverb thing. But the delay thing there to create that slap, I guess, is, is one of those things that I don't necessarily associate with like delays. Right. right? And also, I, I don't use a whole lot of slap. But, um, but well, that, that's if I could reach note. out through the internet, I'd just slap you across the face right now. Well, I'm glad I'm I'm out of your arm's reach. <laughs> Another thing that I would do a little bit more, and this is a little bit more of uh, an experimental thing, mm-hmm. getting creative, almost like the title of the podcast, to use really short delays with a heavy feedback value. Okay. This is something that works best on percussive materials. Yeah, I think. I agree with that. Yeah, and sort of like even if it's just single hits, but you create almost like a stutter type effect to it. So you could have, let's say it's like a snare hit. If you have it set to generally a rhythmic division of the song again, right? So so the millisecond value will depend or if you can sync it, right? Tempo sync the delay to possibly a 16th note or... A 30-second note might be cool depending on the effect that you're looking for, right? Mm-hmm. But that's also something that can be kind of cool to do with shorter hits. I wouldn't do it like on the snare for the entire track perhaps, right? No, but, um, but you bring up a good point here. And I have used set effect in the bridge of a song. And immediately it popped into my head when you mentioned this. I combined the concept of the stutter-like effect of using the delay along with panning the delay from side to side. Yeah. So that each hit, almost like a ping pong, but it was variable where I placed it in the stereo spectrum on it. Right. And that's definitely uh, creative because you don't hear that very often. Right. That's a technique that... I think originally sort of stems from like the EDM world when you have more like a soundscaping and 
Vegas casino, throw everything at the, the kitchen sink. Type of thing. Yeah. <laughs> and then their big rise, which is usually some sort of hit a sequence yeah, roll or whatever, right? from yeah. like eighth notes to 16s to 30 seconds to 64s or whatever as it rises up in value. Yeah. Before it starts self oscillating and, and doing that. But anyway, back to the effect there. Uh, let's say that those are set to those 16th notes then, right? Mm-hmm. It's for sake of argument. Do you often just go hard left and hard right on alternating ones? Do you generally like create different patterns there and change the width of those echoes as well, just to get even more of a drastic effect out of that? In the particular that's something song that I was mentioned, yeah. I yeah. randomized it in a sense in that I did not do it just hard left and hard right, right. but I did draw in the automation very specifically to points of where I wanted it to hit during the process of doing the delay stutters, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah. The only thing that can be problematic with that is if you're collapsing to mono or checking mono compatibility, because then obviously you, you lose. A, well, you lose all of the panning effects. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so when you're listening to like most people tend to do, right, you listen in stereo in some form where that's a cool effect. And if, especially if it's something that, well, either way, even if just takes over a track or if it's just something that's added subtly in the mix, it can add some depth mm-hmm. to those things and, and just point some interest. That's something cool. I, I've done that as well with not necessarily just percussive hits, but the idea of having delays just going all over the place. On the topic of that, I guess we could kind of squeeze in here. How often do you tend to go for, if you're using a standard delay, go for like a ping pongy type of thing? Or how do you like to treat the repeats? I'm not a big fan of the ping pong thing most of the time because it gets confusing. Yeah? Yeah. It's maybe fun once in a while or for something very, very specific that needs to be bouncing back and forth between your skull (laughs) and your ears. However, usually when I do something that is of a short delay of that nature – Oftentimes, especially when it's a slapback, I will slightly offset the left and right sides so that they actually widen out. Mm. Yeah. Okay. More than so, I would do the ping pong thing. Right. Now, I just threw the ping pong thing in there because I think it, it's something that can be really sort of interesting sounding when you first discover that and when you start playing with delays. And it's sure. like, oh, this is so cool. I, I think it has a time and place. I think if I use that, these days, which again, like you, I tend to not do it as much because I think it it can be such a drastic effect. But it does do a really good job, I think, on more like soundscapey kind of guitar lines. Sure. Where you want it to be just really nice and lush and it just adds a little bit more movement to it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but oftentimes you're not hearing the individual ping pongs on that nature or in right. that situation. If you're doing it where you are hearing those individual hits, the idea that I would stress is watch out for things getting super messy as they can very much stand or stomp all over each other. It might be a super good idea to use a side chain compressor in situations Mm. like that where you can control how much that ping pong snaps your ears off, so to speak, to the original or to something else in the mix. Yeah, it really needs to, um, 
work with the arrangement of the song. Mm -hmm. There's an 80s song, I can't remember the name of it right now. Of course, it escapes me, but it might be like Flock of Seagulls or something. doesn't matter. Where you have a hit of a chord, just a really staccato hit, like mm -hmm. bop, and then it pongs left, right, left, right, left, right, that kind of thing in a rhythmic fashion, obviously, right. where it becomes very much a part. But then you're working with these big spaces in the arrangement where it's not it's not competing with vocals. It's not competing with this or that. So it, it stays out of the way. And I think that's sort of imperative for that kind of thing to work. Sure. Going back to short delays then, you mentioned that you do it to add a little width. Sometimes, some yes. So, so now we're kind of going into seamlessly here into something we know as the Haas effect. Yes. Now, well, when I say I'm adding width, I'm not doing it quite as short as the Haas effect. Right. Okay. I'm usually using it as like if it's a delay of a quarter note or something. Mm, okay. The delays will be left and right, but they won't be matched. They'll okay, have so an you, offset on the time a little bit of a few milliseconds each. And generally speaking, they will also have a cutoff filter high and low as well yeah. to give them their own spatial value. Okay. I think we've talked about this before. And I believe you and I differ a little bit on how we do the same thing. Okay. When you – let's say for sake now that we're, we're dealing with – Super short. Well, let's go back a little bit to the width or when you're doing like a quarter note, let's mm -hmm. say. Okay. And you have a tempo that, let's say, garners 600 millisecond. All right. right? On the quarter note. When you offset those, mm -hmm. how do you go about that? Because I think you tend to go offset in the same direction for both. So instead of it being... 600 on both sides, obviously, that would, that would just be the same. But if you have one that's now 580 and you go one that might be 595 or something. Well, if the actual delay is supposed to be 600, uh -huh. I will go 600 on left or right. And then on the opposite of the left or right, I will go a little further out. So okay. I wouldn't be shortening it unless the idea of the song needed the anxiety of going mm -hmm. shorter to the tempo. Because right. how you do your tempo times or your millisecond divisions of splitting this up on delays like this can define how the part feels from a feeling aspect of the delay. Sure. When you shorten it from the tempo, you're rushing it, which can give it not necessarily anxiety all the time, but just feeling like, I really need to be there, man. And Energy. energy. Yeah. Well, it yeah. may not be energy. It may be a different type of energy. The general feeling that I have on delays is that delays are more like echoes. And echoes can be, especially where I grew up and some of the things I've done in canyons where you can yell out and things will echo, they echo based on nature. So things are going to not necessarily come back at you fast and they're going to definitely have lazy values to them. More often than not, my delays when I do the separation from one side to the other 
is usually lazier. And that's probably more from upbringing in canyons and yelling at the <laughs> walls, so to speak, than it is about anything else. But it also gives that feeling of like more importance to the main part that's getting the delay to me. Unless okay. you're making the delay the real structure of what's going on and it's important, then I would consider shortening the value from the actual synced tempo. Okay. But the, the point that I wanted to get across there and obviously did unsuccessfully is that you tend to push the delay time in the same direction. Like you either mm -hmm. slow them down instead of 600, the arbitrary value that we chose here, you're bringing it up to like 610 or 615. Or 620 or whatever right. feels good, yes. Where, where I would do one in either direction. Ah, gotcha. So that I would go then maybe 590 and 610. Gotcha. Something like that. Right? Where I, my way of thinking with that is that almost like you would detune two oscillators on a synth mm -hmm. right? to, to widen and thicken up the effect in the sound, but you still have sort of like the, the tuning values in the middle. So one is going up five cents or and the other one is going down five cents. That's how right. I, I have the same kind of idea when I'm thinking about the delay. Both things valid, obviously, is whatever works in the mix. But Sure. So that was a little bit of an offshoot of that. When it comes to the Haas effect, Maybe you should explain what the Haas effect is. The Haas effect is using shorter delay times, usually somewhere between 15 to 40 milliseconds without any feedback, and it's literally the one repeat. You do this with a panning effect, hard left, hard right, and you can add width to a mono source. Now, before we actually hit record, we were talking about this, and I said that I really have never really done this for a full stereo mix. I generally tend to do this for one-off parts. Oh, yeah. And it's I used to do elements. it quite a bit. I haven't done it so much as of late. And the idea is, is that if I wanted a part to jump out from the speakers, I would do this Haas effect type thing inside the middle of a mix in that I take it a step further than just the delay time. Not only do I do the short delay, but I also invert the phase of the delayed signal. And doing that and playing around with the panning actually causes the instrument or item that you're doing it to, to jump out away from the speakers. And I don't know yeah. if that's how you do it, but that's how I tend to do it because I use it as an effect to like make something stick out out of the stereo spectrum, so you really notice that it's there. Problem with doing that is, is when it collapses to mono, shit disappears. Yeah. Yeah, no, um, I've done that a few times, only really on stuff that you and I have worked on together. Mm -hmm. Is it because I the asked for it? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> but then in that case, it's very much elements here and there, mm -hmm. right? It might be a, a vocal line or whatever. You, you just want something to stick out quite literally especially if you're listening in a stereo situation right now um, mind you this is not headphone situation you'll hear this just fine in headphones but it won't jump out at you like it would if you are listening to a set of stereo speakers yeah you are dependent on that and it's very much a special effect again right because mm -hmm. somebody needs to if you're not sitting in that ideal triangle when you're listening position, 
much of that effect is lost on you. It would be to us weirdos that actually sit and listen to music in that position, <laughs> which is kind of cool. For my use of the Haas effect is much more of the idea to make something bigger. I think I mentioned before we started rolling today as well that I actually used to do this with my guitar rig live. Mm. I had a delay line set up to splitting the signal and I had something like 30 millisecond delay on one side and, and probably 45 or something on the other. And it was just to give that larger sound coming out of my, my cabs. Sure. That's the way I would tend to use it if I use it in the mix as well. It's a good way to add some girth to a part. Right. Let's say that a vocal needs to be a little bit thicker and you don't have a double. It could be a way to kind of... Fake the double? Exactly. The delay times are so short that we don't hear it as being two things. Mm -hmm. It's the same source, right? Now, you can, of course, pan these really wide as well, like you mentioned, but then you run into trouble if you're collapsing the mono. So I find if, if I am doing this, I will keep the spread more conservative. Like I might have it like 10 and 2, something like that, or you know maybe even tighter, depending on what it is. Right. To me, the, the Haas effect is just, again, to, to kind of create a little bit of a bigger sound. But I, I don't use it in every mix, but should I need to, that's a, one way of doing it. And now that we're thinking of very short times, let's take a quick word from our sponsors. And we're back. And we're back. And we're back. We're going to be talking today. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to be moving on with our creative use of delays, talking about multi-tap delays. What exactly are multi-tap delays, Chris? When I think of multi-tap delays, I think of delay line that is not in the same tempo for each delay return, if you will. Okay. So in other words, instead of having 600 millisecond delay that goes 600 millisecond and a 600 millisecond, I'm mm-hmm. thinking of multi-tap where you might have one that's 150 and one that's four and that one that's five and then whatever, right? So the, the different delay times on each repeat, if you will. Okay. Obviously, this gives us a whole other plethora of delay colors to paint with. Sure. And we can, of course, affect the returns of all of these, right, using effects further. Like you mentioned filtering before, Mm -hmm. but even with pitch and obviously panning and all this kind of stuff. One plugin that does this really, really well, sorry to everybody that's not a Logic user, but it, it... Logic's delay designer. It's about the most perfect delay plugin ever invented by far and away. For this kind of stuff, absolutely. Well, you can use it for all the simple stuff too. That's the reality of it. And it's crazy what it can actually do. Yeah, it's ridiculously deep what you can do. And you treat each delay tap as its individual thing. Mm-hmm. What I think this suffers from a little bit, this plugin is the GUI. Yeah. I, it, it, it's looking a little bit dated and it looks like, oh, this, I need a PhD for this kind of thing. <laughs> a dated uh, PhD, it, that's funny. It is ridiculously powerful in that you can set each 
delete tap to whatever time that you want. And the last time I played around with it, I got up to 25 delay taps. That's it's pretty a lot. in depth. That's a lot of taps. Plus that's the lots. thing that's really crazy with that is that each tap can have its own pitch, its own filter, its own EQ, <laughs> its own pan. It's pretty crazy what yeah. you can do with each in tap. And it's actually fairly ingenious with the way they did it in the interface to manipulate each tap that way. Yeah. The, once you wrap your head around it, because it is quite visual as well. Mm -hmm. it's, it, I wouldn't say it's intuitive, but once you wrap your head around it, it's pretty cool. Because each delay also has individual levels. You can literally control every parameter of that delay. Of that delay. Mm -hmm. So with something like that, it, I mean, it's fantastic for any kind of sound design or, or anything, but you can get really, really creative with all of these. For example, I mean, even simple things that you can do, even if you're not a Logic user and you don't have Delay Designer, is to obviously filter the delay returns that you can add, automate panning, and all those things that we've talked about. But mm -hmm. doing that on a per tap, tap per delay yeah, <laughs> it, it is pretty nutty. So mm -hmm. it's something that you can get really creative with. But here... A little bit goes a long way a lot of times. Yes. Right? Because you can definitely, if your arrangement doesn't call for it, you're probably doing a lot more harm than good. Yeah. Uh, the unfortunate reality with this is for as long as Delay Designer has been around, there really hasn't been anyone who's been able to recreate it. Now, that being said, the closest that is likely to be similar to Delay Designer is FabFilter's Timeless 3. That seems to be the one that comes the closest to what Delay Designer can do. Yeah. I mean, I don't have it. I don't think you do either. I'm not sure, and, and somebody correct me if I'm wrong because I would really, really like to know, is that with the FabFilter offering, all the parameters are there, but I'm not sure if you can do it on each tap individually. Right. That's about the only thing that would separate it. Plus, it only has a maximum of 16 taps. And there may not be a maximum to the delay designer, but you just mentioned 25, and that's substantially more than 16. Right. Still, I mean, 16 is, is nice, but yeah, it's kind of weird. Maybe it's such an esoteric thing to want to do that. That it's just <laughs> maybe most people don't think of it. Who knows? <clears throat> but it would seem like it would be relatively easy to implement all that functionality. Sure. Right? To each one. One um, would think. Anyway, that's just speculation. But let's say that you don't have delay designer net, right? So you're using your delay lines on ascend, like we most of the time that we do, mm -hmm. right? What are some things that you might do on those? We've discussed this in the past, I know. But when you have a vocal delay, for example. Mm -hmm. What kind of treatment would you do on the delay, if any? For me, I do a high and low pass filter yep. to separate it from the original and get it into its own unique area of the mix when it's delaying. There is automating the pan of the delay. There's adding some distortion or some other type of effect. Sometimes, depending on the groove and how massive I want the delay to be in the return to the mix, I may, as I've mentioned before, use a compressor sidechain to the original. 
which will allow the original to step on top of the delay. And then when the original item is not going, the delay pops back up and becomes noticeable again. Yeah, that's a really good trick to do. The most common way would be probably on a lead vocal, right? Yeah. So what Jody is describing here is that you have a compressor on the delay return using the lead vocal in this case as the sidechain input. So when the vocal line is going on, it compresses the delay return so it doesn't smear the vocal. And then when the vocal line is done, the delay rises in volume again because the compressor is, is letting it through. So you can have a relatively wet delay return, but it's not gonna smear when the vocal is there. So it kind sure. of steps out of the way. So that's a really, really cool technique. And, and I use that a lot on vocals when they call for a wet delayed soupy kind of sound. <laughs> soupy sound. There you go. Yeah. That's what you need in your mixes. Soupy sounds. Right. right. Soupy sounds. Obviously filtering you can do with these things as well. And again, we can get crazy here with imagination, right? But if we have an automated cutoff on the filter on the delay return where it mm -hmm. kind of opens up or it closes down with time to make it sort of ramp up or, or fade away into the background, perhaps increasing distortion on a delay return. Or even adding re reverb to the delay return and making it sound like each repeat is getting farther and farther into the background. It could be that too. There's a lot of cool stuff that we can do with delays and it's not just a standard echo. And I'd be remiss if I didn't mention this anyway, but delays can be such a cool part of your mixes and a lot of times your sound. I mean, imagine that you too, if the edge didn't make use of, of delays in his setup, it'd be a completely different thing, right? Sure. That's just it's like a big integral part. We're having that dotted eighth note to create all these rhythmic patterns. And so- He was great delays, at it. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Delays, man. Make use of them and be creative. And with that, we're going to move on to our Friday finds. Chris, what have you got today? I saw something really cool this week. Da, da, da. Both of us have been drooling over the SSL control surfaces. Mm -hmm. And they have a new one now. It's called the UF1, which is just, as the name implies, it's just a one fader but it has a whole control surface for it as well that you can control the DAW and playback and all this kind of stuff. And Ooh, it just looks the business just like the other ones. So that had to be my find for this Friday, the UF1 controller from SSL. And what about you? What do you got for us? I'm going with a plugin called Aligner from NewGen Audio. And the reason why I'm bringing it up is a few weeks back at the NAM episode that we did, we had mentioned the Sound Radix or Sound Radix version of their phase aligning plugin, which was rather incredible to witness. NewGen Audio has another plugin out now available called Aligner. It does very much the same thing. You can do it automated like the sound radix and you can manually control it as well the difference is sound radix is pretty expensive and the new gen audio currently for a short little while as it is being introduced is 29 dollars. i think wow. the price that they're going to actually have it when it's full price is 49 dollars. so you're saving a few bucks to get 
something very similar to what Sound Radix does. By but that's still really affordable. It is even at extremely, extremely affordable by comparison. I have to check that out. Yes. While we've got your attention, we ask that you go to InsideTheRecordingStudio.com and sign up for our mailing list. You'll need to be on the email list in order to be entered in any giveaway we do in the future. And we'll make sure that you don't miss any future episodes of this insane podcast. Send us an email at goldstar, G-O-L-D-S-T-A-R, at InsideTheRecordingStudio.com with the word DELAY! and you'll get something cool back in your inbox. If you have a topic or suggestion for Chris and I to explain in a future episode, contact us at the contact page, and we'll make sure to put it into consideration for a future episode. With that, I'll say see you next week. See you next week. Thanks for listening, everybody. Have a good one, Jody. Jody.